Joey, have you ever been in a in a Turkish prison? now listening to the enter vr podcast i'm chris miranda your host and today i'm speaking with sean whiting the community designer at rec room dude sean how are you thanks for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me on man dude okay so um there's so much i want to talk to you about we do we got to do some catching up the last time we spoke to each other was back when you were with converge yeah so i have a couple angles here i'm trying to figure out whether i want to go the like Let's let's explore the journey of Sean Whiting angle, <laughs> or if I want to go the like, well, let's let what is what is Sean what's Sean Whiting's mind thinking around like specific things that are happening in virtual reality today? Yeah. So you know what, I, you know what, we're gonna go down the journey down uh, Sean Whiting Sean Whiting Road. I think that's what we're gonna okay. do. So, so with that being said, I want to know about how you got started in virtual reality in the first place. Like, how how was that moment when when you got spit by a bit by the the spider bug, so to speak? Yeah. Uh, so it was back in the Converge days. Hayden and I, uh, Hayden Lee, my co-founder on Converge, uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, Converge was just a very simple kind of like social VR experiment we ran for like a year and a half, two years, where you would like log in on the DK1 or DK2 because we were mostly only running uh, like pre-consumer release. Uh, and you would just hang out with other people who were, you know, floating cartoon heads and listen to music and watch YouTube videos and stuff like that. So we had a lot of fun building that kind of simple social VR project. And the way we got into it was I think Hayden had tried somebody's DK one kit and he was like super impressed with it. He ordered his own. And then shortly after that, I like went over to his place and tried it. Uh, And we were at Virginia tech at the time. Uh, We were both taking classes there. Uh, And we were like one, two of the only people on campus that had any interest in VR. So it was just a very natural, like, Oh, okay, let's like hack on this and see what we can make and what's interesting. And, um, Pretty consistently, the most interesting stuff to both of us was, like, stuff around other people in VR. So we messed around with, like, scanning other people in with the Kinect sensor and doing, like, you know, the the full body depth map thing. Uh, and then we did the whole, you know, opposite end, which is, like, super low poly, super rough um, avatars. And we were like, well, this is, you know, it's not as um, the the like quality of the representation isn't as high, but in some ways it, it actually works better, especially because you make frame rate better, you require less hardware. Like a lot of people don't want to go out and buy a Kinect to have a social experience. Um, and it, it was just really compelling. So we just followed that that road for, yeah, about a year and a half, two years. We got um, some funding from Y Combinator at one point, and we were working out of Seattle. We moved from Nashville or Blacksburg to Nashville to Seattle during the... Uh, converged days so it was it was great for like getting me out here on the west coast um and yeah we just we just learned a a lot about you know what interacting with people was like in those early days in vr how was it like to get um yeah how was it like to work with y combinator and and pitching so converge was the thing that y combinator sort of uh went went with yeah yeah so we i think we were the second vr company that they ever funded uh, and we went through the fellowship, so it was kind of like a... Who was the first, uh, if you don't mind me asking? 
I think the first was Insight VR, and they went through like a batch before us. Um, and yeah, they're out in New York. They do um, they do uh, kind of like architectural and design visualization stuff um, for like enterprise level uh, clients, and they do a really good job. And Hayden's actually the uh, CTO there now, so um, we we obviously had a very good relationship with them. They gave us like feedback on our application. And we had to apply three times before we got in. We got in the third time. So we were nothing if not diligent and uh, ambitious to try to get funding. Mm. Let me ask you this. So something that I just thought about was like um, out of all the VR deals that Y Combinator has done, I wonder like how many since they began looking at VR, like how how many have panned out? And I'm also thinking, mm-hmm. about, I'm like, well, what does that look like across all venture capitalists in the Valley? Like, do you have a guesstimation or do you have an experience with, like, with, with you know, raising venture capital? And, like, you know, we don't have to name any names, but, like, who, how do you know wh- whether, like, you know, whether, whether you want to take money from venture capital at a certain point? Like, yeah. yeah, especially when you, like, when I look at, like, all right, well, if if we go, if I, if I want to ask why I come in it for money, like, I th- think it's not just a partnership where, like, oh, man, I'm going to get money for them. It's also, like, they're married, you know, I got to look into, like, why that makes sense for me. And if they, right. and if I see their track record being, like, oh, um, you know, not that good in terms of, like, funding VR startups, then it's going to be tough for me to, like, justify, unless I'm really really pinching for the money which a lot of startups are but yeah yeah you know how do you you know how do you like how do you balance that equation in your head or you know what does that equation look like in your head when you're like looking for venture capitalists and like you know yeah what did that look like um so from the from the like co-founders perspective it's about i mean a lot of it's about like at least for us it was about like alignment with like a belief in VR because there's a lot of there were a lot of people at the time that were like super skeptical like we don't know if this is really a thing or not and to some extent like some skepticism is good and like a, a healthy amount of that but you also want someone who's going to like believe in your company and really help you achieve your goals so some of it was just like alignment on our values and the values that we wanted for the company and then the other part is just like are you going to get a good return on the amount of equity you're going to give up for the amount of money they're willing to give you um, yeah, and it's just like comes down with a person comes down to a personal connection with you know whoever the lead like VC is at that firm or investor you want some sort of like I mean if the business is successful and you're going to go for like you know five or ten years or however many years uh, and it's like the project's working really well you're going to be spending a lot of time with that person so it should be someone that you you know are going to be happy to be around and have intense kind of like you know discussions with. Uh, and then from the other side, from like the funders perspective, uh, a lot of it is, you know, an, an evaluation of the team and the idea, like, do we think this is something that has legs? Um, do we believe in the team that's starting it? Um, and then like, yeah, is the market there? Like, is it too early to invest in this team? Like, even if the idea in the team is good, is, is the like market at a place for us to get involved? And then like how much, you know, how much money are we going to have to deploy against you know, what their plan is for how they, how quickly they want to spend and all that. But yeah, I I don't know what the, I don't know what the returns look like right now for investors in the VR world. I would imagine not great for a lot of them because, you know, there's a lot of VR companies that are struggling. Um, 
I mean, the it, it's also like early too, you know. So like, you're yeah. not necessarily going to see those returns yet. It, it's probably on a longer time horizon. I think a lot of the people that got involved by funding VR projects probably realized that too. They realized it was like a, you know, five to ten year bet, and not like a two or three year bet. Um, so yeah, I think that that feels like where we're at right now is we're kind of in a, you know, holding pattern until the next generation of hardware comes out, and you know, we can see just kind of like how the the whole market evolves yeah what is um man so many questions we can go in um but let me let me ask you about this what did you see in vr that 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 others didn't around you like people around you like i'm sure they were being exposed to vr as well but like Uh there was something about vr that you saw that others didn't and like you chose to act on that like what was that what was it about vr that made you feel like oh well i need to like do something here (laughs) Yeah, I think some amount of it is just like the amount of imagination you have and like your ability to project forward, like what the technology is going to look like in the future. Because a lot of people tried on the DK1 and they were like, this is awful. It makes me sick. And like, it's not really that great. And to some extent, they're right. But you can also try the DK1 and be like, oh, my God, this is like the first version of something that like changes everything. Like if you imagine what this looks like in you know, five or 10 years, it's going to be insane. It's just like a, a paradigm shift for your brain. You're just like, oh, okay, this is definitely the future, like in some sense. And like, I just have to get involved with it now so that, you know, I can be knowledgeable and like in a good spot once it does hit. And I think Hayden and I both felt that in a very like visceral way. Like we were so like, uh, like, yeah, we just have to do this now. We have to learn all we can about it. We have to build a bunch of experiments. Um, it's just kind of the mindset we had. Ah, oh, all right. So I apologize about my dog. She's being a, a naughty girl, but I promise you. <laughs> Evie, I, I raised you better than that. I raised you better than that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, I want everyone to know that your Skype icon is also a photo of your dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's uh, so tell me about your story, um, the story of Rec Room from your perspective. Like how mm-hmm. how does that like, you know, how does that come into play? Yeah. So after we decided to stop working on Converge at a certain point, just because Hayden and I were both pretty burnt out and we were going to have to raise a bunch more money. And we'd been living in like an apartment together and there was just a bunch of you know, stuff where we were like, oh, we need a break. Um, so I went and worked at Pluto VR and Hayden went to work on big screen. Uh, and I worked at Pluto for like a year, year and a half. Uh, and then I left Pluto and was kind of like looking for other stuff to do in Seattle. Cause I was in Seattle at the time. Um, and I, yeah, I was like, oh, against gravity's here. I should talk to those guys. And the more I looked into rec room, I was like, oh, it's so like, they have a very active community that like gets really uh like vocal and involved with the project and like helps them with a bunch of feedback and iterates and i was like this is really cool i love you know the way their community operates and the way that uh the team operates so i i talked to a few of the people over here and it just seemed like a really good fit they were looking for someone to kind of run um like community at the time and take over a bunch of their uh like support and moderation systems that i've helped build out since i uh came on maybe about a year and a half ago now um so yeah it was just it was just a really good fit it fit a lot more of what i was looking for at the time i was looking for something more um kind of like um like community based or um consumer focused because pluto was 
uh, at the time, like in a much earlier kind of like research project type stage, uh, which is super interesting. I still really like Pluto and the team and everything over there. Um, but I think uh, Rec Room was just at, like a better fit for where I was at at the time and the problems I wanted to work on. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how I see Rec Room, I guess when I joined, I saw it as like the coolest place to like hang out with your friends in VR and play these like really well crafted, well designed games that uh, Against Gravity had made, like the team had made, and they were like really great, like the quests and paintball and laser tag and uh, charades and all that stuff. It's just like very good. Um, kind of like social icebreakers to get people like talking and meeting each other and making friends and hanging out. Uh, I think they were doing the best job at that, which attracted me to the team at the time. And since I've been here, it's kind of evolved slowly into much more of a uh, kind of like creation app. So right now we have a lot of people using the Maker Pen and our like circuit system and gizmos and all this stuff to build their own rooms. And then they're like, essentially building their own experiences from scratch. Like they're building rooms and experiences that get more traffic than like our experiences at this point, which is great. Cause like, that's our goal is we want to empower our players to like build stuff that's, you know, meets what the community wants to play more than we can. Cause they can be like, they're cranking out thousands of rooms a day and we can do like one high quality experience, like a month or two essentially. Um, so watching that shift has been really fun. Wow. Yeah, I've I um I've had experiences with Rec Room that have been really unique. For example, I had I have a vibe in a PSVR at home and what I did was I had a friend come over and we played the pirate game, the the yeah. um the Escape the Pirate Ship game and um, we played it in in my house, but we were both in VR and it felt so good like if cuz like my friend was right there in the room with me and we were both like coordinating like how to get out and like it was so good <laughs> it was so fun yeah like, it was um you know i'm fine i find rec room to be this like really great vehicle for like um for bringing in, bringing in friends you already have that mm-hmm. like um like to bring in friends that you already have like uh and and ha- and build on those relationships but my my yeah. thing is for me like at least my fault of character has been this like it's been harder for me to like form or find people to have deeper conversations with in rec room like, it looks like like because mm-hmm. there's like um and it might be because i haven't fi- i haven't visited the older or like the newer rooms yet like i did yeah. have an experience where it wasn't i wasn't actually like that like it was it was kind of this like fully deserty art installation and, and and everybody was just like it felt like a mad max kind of world but yeah. still, like, it's, um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, how do you incentivize people to build deeper connections with each other? Like, what are the mechanisms? What are the tools at your disposal to, to do that? Yeah. So one thing that we try to do is we have, like, a new user experience. We call it the NUX. So, like, when you log in for the first time, we want to give you, like, the essential building blocks of, like, having a good time and making friends in Rec Room. And that includes, like letting you know we have a code of conduct and how to, like, maintain your comfort options, how to, like, report people and, like, uh, mute and ignore people with the stop gesture. So we're like, all right, you know how to, you know, stay safe in an online environment and, like, take care of people that are being annoying or, you know, doing bad stuff. You can report them pretty easily or get rid of them. And then the second part is like, hey, here's some 
gestures for like making friends. So we'll show you how to like party up and how to like uh, shake hands with someone to make a friend. Uh, and then you've got your friends list. Uh, within that, you can like favorite a friend. It'll give you a notification when they come online. Uh, and increasingly, we're working on building out um, our kind of like social site, which is called rec.net, um, R-E-C dot N-E-T. And it's where like all the photos you take in game get pushed to. So we have like a camera, virtual camera in game that you can like pull out of your backpack, take photos with of like all your adventures in rec room. And then all those photos get pushed to rec.net, which is kind of like a rec room facebook page so you have your profile photo and you have a background photo and all the photos you've taken and it automatically tags you and all your friends in them you can like comment and like other people's posts um so i guess it's through doing a lot of that stuff that we see people make connections um so they'll like you'll get in a photo with someone like after a game of rec royale or something and you'll take like a winner's photo because we like prompt you it's like hey here's some props take photos that you want and then you're like go on to RecNet and you're like, oh yeah, I played with that guy. And then you like click on his account and then you click friend and you send him a message. You're like, hey, it was great playing with you, man. Like, let's hang out again, send him a friend request. And uh, so a lot of it kind of builds out like that. But it sounds like the issue you're having is like you're trying to find people that you like get along with or like have shared interests with like in game. Is that right? Yeah, I'm looking for like, um, yeah, maybe it might not be and maybe I'm looking in the wrong places but it's like uh but uh i don't know yeah i'm i'm looking for like uh for like a like a like a philosopher's club yeah <laughs> people really just we just people where we can just go shoot the shit and just like talk about like really weird esoteric yeah. kind of subjects dude uh, people have rooms like that you just go into the so like launch rec room go to the room browser and uh-huh. then just like page through the player created rooms and there's a lot of people that will create a room that's called, like, you know, political debate night or, like, hey, we're going to talk about, like, this subject tonight. Then there's quite a few people that host, like, you know, weekly talk shows or, like, their comedy, stand-up comedy uh, series that are, like, every Thursday night at 7 we do this or that. And I'm sure somebody's got one that's, like, philosophy or psychology or, like, you know, future VR and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, just searching through the rooms, I bet you'll find something like that. And then also you can search through all the upcoming events on RecNet. Uh, so it's like go to RecNet and there's like a little calendar icon. Icon, You click that and it'll show you like upcoming events. Uh, and then you can, you know, search through that for any sort of philosophy or whatever you're looking for. And if you don't see one, you can always, you know, make one yourself and then just share the link out to a bunch of people and be like, hey, I'm doing a philosophy night in Rec Room. Who wants to show up? I'd show up. That'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you lit up. You lit the fire underneath me. Um, <laughs> but let me ask you this: How do you police yeah. these communities? Like, what have you? Yeah, what are you like learning about policing um, social VR communities? Uh, yeah, and like, and if, and and just so, and just to extrapolate upon that, like, based on all your experience so far, can you imagine what the ultimate tools of the future for moderation would look like? Yeah. So, yeah, this has been like a a problem that I've addressed a lot here um, and that we've we're constantly building systems and working on. Uh, and I think I think the first thing you have to do is set expectations correctly. So I think a lot of people aren't necessarily bad people when they come into a new social VR space. They just don't know what the st- like standards are or how to behave necessarily they're like hey it's a totally new 
world and like I don't necessarily understand that I've got like an open mic right now or like I don't really understand that that's another person that I'm looking at. So a lot of it comes down to us spending a lot of time being like, hey, you just entered like a space like we created a new tutorial moment, um, like a learning moment where the first time you enter into the rec center, like a public space, it's like, hey, you've just entered a public space. Just so you know, like all the other people you see are real people from around the world. And like your you know, voice chat is on and you can configure your voice chat. So like just prompting people to be in the right space and like showing them the code of conduct, like, hey, this is the standards the community is going to hold you to. And if you don't abide by those standards, you know, you're going to get banned or permanently banned. Um, So just making people aware of that is like a a really big step in the right direction. And then after that, in terms of enforcement, like we have a community team that we've built out. Uh, We've got, you know, decent amount of people on that now. Um, And those you know, we spend time in-game moderating. We get an influx of all the player reports that we sift through every day, and we're constantly evolving our kind of, like, evidence systems for what that looks like. Uh, on the back end, we have a bunch of tools that will, like, throw stuff into Slack for us when we see incidents, and we can, you know, pop right into a room or shut a room down or kick a player, ban a player really quickly. Um, so it just looks like a bunch of little tools that you build up over time Uh, setting expectations correctly, having, like, your team on the ground to moderate uh, really bad, like, urgent response things, and then having the community giving them really good reporting tools for finding stuff that, you know, no amount of people would ever be able to find because it's happening in, you know, one of thousands of rooms or a private room or, you know, something that it's just not feasible for a startup to have enough people to cover all the ground. So you need the community to be doing a lot of that reporting for you. Yeah, and how do you incentivize the community, or is the community already self self incentivized to report because it just makes the the experience better for everyone? Yeah, I think a lot of people just take pride in the fact that Rec Room has such a good community. They're like, hey, we want to keep it this way. So, like, if someone's really like being a huge dick or harassing someone, like, we're all going to report them. And uh, on our on our back-end moderation systems we can see like your history of how you've reported people how how often we've taken um taken action on your reports which gives you somewhat of a like moderation history in terms of like okay how accurate is this person with their reports and then like you know we can do some evaluation on that and the system takes that into account um but yeah for for a lot of people i think it's just like rec room kind of like community pride in a way like they want to keep it the way it was when they joined and it was like smaller and it's it's growing and you know they want to maintain that kind of like welcoming and fun atmosphere have you are you guys monitoring um i'm sure you are um are you guys monitoring and uh and if you are let's trade notes in terms Mm -hmm. of like what marketing channels are useful to you like um like for us um I'm with the Symmetry team, speaking not as Chris the podcaster, but as Chris the community guy at Symmetry, the, a real-time engine. Um, they um, GIFs have been really useful to mm-hmm. show um, this, to show like the abstract nature of like real-time physics engines. Like, like yeah. how do you like how do you show like a particle sort of uh, asset? Like you have to show a GIF, and and so. And so I've, we've discovered that GIFs have been really good, but I wonder, like, what have been what has been like really useful things that like have been um, 
that you know are working that are getting new users in terms yeah. of marketing? So definitely videos are really big because um, it can be hard to understand like what Rec Room is, you know, because it's so much stuff. It's like player created rooms and our first party experiences and like people hanging out and like high fiving and like there's crazy stuff going on. I feel like it can be difficult for people to understand what it is. So like having a gameplay video where you're like, oh, OK, I see someone's putting on this headset and now they're in this room and now they're going through this door to like play paintball. I feel like videos do a lot, like a really good job of explaining that. Um, GIFs do a good job too. And then we're seeing a lot of people sharing stuff to like Instagram recently. Uh, so we put a, a new feature in the game called the Rec Room Community Board, which kind of has like community highlights of like, hey, these are the best photos that were taken. Uh, these are the best videos that were published to YouTube. Uh, and it's just kind of a, a system to give people a sense of like the greater community that's out there. Cause we have like a really engaged uh, community, but then the people that come in for the first time or who like maybe aren't as active on like discord or Reddit probably don't see a lot of like the crazy fan art that people make or that hundreds of hours they put into these videos. Like we have people recreating entire music videos and like movies and stuff. Um, a group recently did an entire like two hour performance play of the princess bride that they'd been planning for like six months and it had like set changes and all that it was really cool so like a lot of people don't know this stuff exists because they come in and play rec room and like man rec room's so good for paintball and that's like all i need (laughs) um but we want to give people a sense of like hey there's a richer community here if you want to like dig into it and find it so we started promoting yeah our like instagram posts more and the youtube videos and that sort of like rich community content. Um, but I would say the best channels for us have probably been like Reddit, Discord, and Instagram, I would say, is probably the best engagement. What do, what do you see? Um, for us, it's been Discord, Reddit, and Twitter. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and, um, and what we were doing was we were, giving, um, we were giving out free Steam keys and doing um, live tutorials. And yeah. uh, and and through that, like people were like, okay, we're you're giving away some Steam keys. Oh, I get the I get these live tutorials. Uh, this is cool. And 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 just growing the the Discord and just getting this like real time back and forth feedback with the users like has been really useful. But like, but the one thing that I'm noticing that um, that it seems like you guys sort of pivoted, or I don't know if this was from design, but like it seems like it. Well, Help me understand is like, did you guys want Rec Room to have this community community aspect from the get go, or did you realize at a certain point that oh, we can't just be paintball, we got to do some more, we got to do more stuff, we got to do like an actual community thing here? Like, what what yeah. what was that process like? Yeah, I think it was kind of just a natural evolution of like watching player behavior because like we're very iterative and we move very fast, so we ship a new update every two weeks. And what we were seeing was like, hey, we're creating these new, you know, paintball maps, new games, new quests, new pieces of content. And we see a lot of engagement spikes when we release that. But then it starts to taper off and, you know, we have to put another one out. And what we were seeing is a lot of players wanted to, like, mod these games. Uh, And it started really simply. They were like, hey, we want to be able to place, like, cones in this place or, like, move objects around on a certain map. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll give you guys what we call the sandbox machine. And in the sandbox machine, we have all these objects across all the different games. You can spawn like a soccer ball and paintball. You can spawn this or that. And people started making their own games. 
And then they were like, we want to be able to save these games. And we were like, oh, okay, now we need like a room system, you know, so you can like name the game and save all the assets you've put in it. And like, um, and it just kind of started from there. We were like, okay, now you can save a room. And now people were like, oh, well, we want to add like gameplay logic to it. Like I want to add hit points to people or I want people to be able to shoot someone else and heal them if they're holding a certain object. And we were like, okay, well now we're going to need uh, circuits, like a basic visual programming language where you like place a circuit and link it to another circuit and then like put in a player ID or a player role and that attaches to like, you know, whatever you want. So people have essentially rebuilt like TF2 in game where you have like a payload map and if you're within X distance of the card, it moves forward and then the other team is trying to stop you from pushing the card and just all sorts of crazy stuff at this point. So it just kind of happened like that, just like a natural uh, discussion with the community of like what they wanted to build. Wow. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it seems like um, uh, out of the hive mind, like it sort of becomes this, this sort of like um, self building like cycle, <laughs> like a, like a self feeding yeah. loop. It's it, yeah, it, re it really is re super interesting. Um, something I've noticed, uh, and I don't think there's anything, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, but like, I've noticed that rec room on PSVR, um, mm -hmm. versus rec room on HTC Vive, like I'm, my, I was, I feel like I had a, a competitive advantage on the PSVR for some reason. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about the Vive tracking dude that like, it just doesn't, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it, it gets, it gets kind of wonky. Like you had better tracking on the PSVR than the Vive. Yeah, well, that's yeah. insane, yeah, dude. Yeah, Everyone yeah, complains yeah. about the tracking on the like move controllers. Yeah, like, we hear a lot of that. I'm like when it comes to like this like because I've have I have my two games that I go to for like is Spark and Rec Room, and yeah. and, and I compare them on the PSVR and on the Vive, and mm -hmm. it's just there's no comparison. Just like my ability to draw a weapon in the huh. paintball game. It just feels more natural. It just feels quicker, more snappy. The vibe has this, like, I don't know what it is. There's this lag, and then there's a dead zone because I think there's a my TV is reflecting off the IR of the lighthouse. Uh, yeah. So, yeah have, you, yeah, like, you, yeah. have you dealt with, like, reflective surfaces and your vibe, like, perhaps? Uh, so I use a rift at my desk most of the time and oh. at home. I've just kind of, like, settled on the rift as, like, my go-to headset at this point. Um But yeah, we've had we've had issues in the past with Vive trackers where you know if you've got one in one corner of the office and one in another, they'll like you know they can mess each other up sometimes, and you have to put a barrier between them. Or I I thought that they had resolved most of those like reflection issues, but you know possibly not. Maybe you have to do like a firmware update or I don't know. But it, yeah, it sounds like that's the opposite of what I've normally heard. I normally hear like, Oh man, Vive and Rift tracking is just beautiful and solid. And then like PlayStation has some issues for me, but I think it's just so variable. It, like it's based on everyone's like, you know, home setup and how it's calibrated and what the angle of your camera is and what your background looks like. It's just so many variables that everyone's got a different story of like how good any given system is. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They're the Vive's full, uh, like room scale setup allows yeah. me to ha have a better this suspension of disbelief because mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's like i'm inside this like capsule but whereas in psvr it's like i can't even take a step to the right or the left so it's yeah yeah it's um 
yeah, they they all have their like pros and cons, and I'm like watching really carefully like what their iter- iterative process looks like in terms of like when is the next generation at HMDs coming out, and like how are they iterating? Like, are they you know is it just like are they just improving the panels? Are they improving the form factor? Like, how often will we start seeing headsets come out? Is it like every two years? Is it three every three years? Every four years? Like, and how does mm-hmm. that affect people's business models? You know, like. I don't know. Yeah. How how are you watching that sort of space, the hardware HMD space? Yeah. Um I think for us it's just like if we believe that a new headset's gonna ship or like a new platform is gonna come online and it's gonna have like a lot of rec room players on it or like friends of, you know, the current player base, like we're very interested in supporting that. because um, we, you know, we're cross platform. You can play Vive People, Steam people play with Oculus Home people, play with PlayStation VR people, play with people on PlayStation without a VR headset, uh, play with people without a VR headset on PC. Like, everyone plays together. It's kind of our philosophy. Um, And we actually did just send out a kind of, like, platform survey for, like, future platforms that we're looking into. Uh, So we sent a survey out via our newsletter and our social channels maybe, like, last week, and we were like, hey, what where do you guys want to play Rec Room that you can't play it right now? And we had, like, iPhone, iPad, Android, Switch, Oculus Go, Oculus Quest, Pimax, Xbox, and maybe, like, one other one on there. And uh, I will say that Android, iPhone, and Switch all rated very highly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely, like, keeping an eye on that. Like, we... It's yeah for us. It's like where are the community numbers, where are your friends, and looking at that and making an evaluation on, you know, when we think we could move to another platform. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because like I I hear you say that, and I'm like, and all, and I'm also thinking about like how Blizzard is dealing with a PR nightmare because they're releasing Diablo for mobile, mm-hmm. and like, and I think and just like watching on Reddit like how. Um, how how their community just was not at all reticent to this like they did not like it and it was just weird because like i don't know like blizzard makes pretty good games and and um yeah. i don't and and it was just like and it was just interesting to see like um how their community reacted to mobile but yeah. in your uh, in you guys's experience you've already like it seems like you've reproved your community <laughs> you know i don't know if blizzard did like uh market research and, and actually asked the, its, its users if they, of course they didn't of course they didn't they saw money <laughs> microtransactions of course they didn't mm-hmm. ask their users that they wanted a mobile game yeah you guys did ask and people told you they wanted mobile so that's the yeah difference. we we try to develop like with the community very much in mind like we hold uh like dev q a's where we'll hop in and talk to people we do like amas almost every update so every two weeks uh we post to our youtube channel the rec room youtube channel uh and we like take uh, all the questions we get on um a thread called like hey it's ama number eight now and we take all those questions and we answer them in a um like 30 45 minute video um so yeah we we we're very much driven by community feedback and you know we don't want to do anything that would you know cause a bunch of people that value rec room to you know just have an awful time 
Yeah. How does how do you guys measure success? What does success look like for Rec Room? Yeah. Um, I think it to some extent it's just like are people coming back? You know, like what does retention look like? Uh, we do experiments all the time with like, hey, if we throw you straight into this game or that game and the new user experience, like what do the results look like? So it's like, hey, we, we can do like A/B tests on. First time you come in, you hit your dorm room, we dress your avatar up, and then we're like, hey, look at your watch. And then, like, go to, you're going to go to soccer, or you're going to go to paintball, or you're going to go to charades. And then, like, what are the best outcomes? And then we're like, oh, look, charades actually gives, like, there's actually a 20% retention boost. Like, if you play charades your first time, you're, like, way more likely to come back, and you actually make, like, three more friends because it's, like, a collaborative, friendly game versus some people might play paintball and get, like, pissed because they got matched with someone who was way better than them or you know they just get overly competitive about it so like we're always looking at stuff like that like how is um like how are the player outcomes for retention and like moderation and you know if we tweak this or that thing do we get way more reports do we see more uh cheers so cheers is our kind of like positive community signal um people that have a good time cheer another player for like hey thanks for helping me out or thanks for being a great host if you put on an event and if you get enough cheers you get a badge that goes next to your name so it's kind of like a flair to let people know that you're a good community member um so yeah that stuff like that and then just like yeah player numbers on if we release a new activity and like hey how's this activity performing versus other activities um just basic stats like that really what is the ultimate vision for rec room look like and i dare you to dream sir like <laughs> i dare you to dream here i, I yeah. because i i want to know um well i i have the i tend to i tend to believe honestly that like um that people are drawn to ambition right um if like like if if a company tells me they're going to make the greatest shoes on earth using nanotechnology then holy shit, dude! I'm going to buy. I'm going to figure out a way to buy those shoes, even if it means selling my liver. But like, <laughs> but like, but if they tell me they're like, hey, we'll just make some okay shoes. <laughs> do I want to buy that'd okay be, shoes? That'd be a great campaign. You know, we're gonna make some okay shoes. What do you guys think? You know, or do a, okay shoes versus nanotechnology Tony Stark shoes? Oh, I'm yeah, go for the Tony Stark shoes. So yeah. So, me too. I wonder, like, you know, how do you and and then here's the, and here's the thing, like, but then you got to balance it out because you don't want to sound like a crazy man. That's my job. I'm the crazy man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the question is, like, what do we see? Like, what? How would we like hype the future of Rec Room essentially to get people interested? Yeah, the ultimate vision, like, uh, some some sometime in the future, what does that world look like? What, t- paint me that utopian world. Yeah, I think a lot of people paint the same vision because it's like what a lot of people want but i think it does end up being a like it's a collaborative social space where you can essentially hang out in whatever context you want or play whatever game you want or have whatever experience you want with your friends because other players have built those opportunities for you so it's like i think in the future you'll be able to log into rec room and right now people are like giving us all these ideas right they're like oh you should make a zombie quest or you should make like a western quest or you should like do all these things like i really want to play that with my friends and our goal is to get you there with like you've made it or like another really talented player has made it and then now they're promoting it and you just click a link and you launch right into that experience with your buddies 
so I think that's that's really our long term vision is like you can build whatever social experiences you want and have them with your friends in like a very frictionless way. So it's like, yeah, you can maintain those friendships with people across the country, across the world. You can log in and meet people like you said, like you'll be able to log in and just there's 20 philosophy meetups that night. And you're like, I'm down with this one that's talking about this one niche philosopher from like the 1800s on this existentialist topic and you're like this is fucking great i love this i can't talk to people like this in my hometown because i live in like you know rural virginia or something like where i grew up and it's just like a lot of people don't have the opportunities to engage with you know people and groups that they'd really like would help them thrive and develop as people and i think for a lot of people and for us like that's the vision is you know we want to allow people to find those experiences and create those experiences for other people and like, you know, be able to, um, be able to make a living doing it too. Uh, I think pretty soon you're going to see us announce some things that make, uh, building in rec room a like possibility as something you can do to like make a living long term. Hmm. Well, I welcome my oasis overlords. Um, <laughs> what, um, you know, and something I, I, that I find interesting in VR, and I wonder, like, what this, how this will pan out is that, like, um, so many people from so many different parts of the world are, like, talking to each other and connecting with each other. And mm-hmm. they're being exposed to each other in ways in in ways that like you you couldn't before because in VR they're right in front of you they're right there the person is right there you know and it, and that doesn't translate that well when you're like on a Discord server and it's like yeah. chat it's text no it's a person that's right there Definitely. and like I think I, and I and I feel like you know my my ultimate hope is that like VR is going to become this mind expanding device where like people from like you know, rural regions and, and, and isolated places um, and small towns are going to have access to like ha- thousands of friends from yeah. all over the world. And, and they and they themselves will have a more, um, you know, open view of reality because of how different people are and all that good stuff, I think. Um, and, and, but but here's the thing, like, but then but then those people are going to take off the headset. And then they have to go into the real world, their real world, yeah. you know. And and I wonder, like, what that friction is going to look like when, you know, when 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 um, when people take off the headset and they and they're living in those small towns in those areas where it's not as open. Um, I just wonder, like, what how how what kind of chain reaction this might unleash, if at all. Yeah. It just it just seems really interesting because it's really powerful. It's like people are right yeah. there they're right there yep so yeah super powerful are you worried about like the negative consequences of like if you build this giant social network in vr or like yeah online essentially you worry that'll like weaken your real world connections or like what's your concern there i had a conversation with someone um who who knew about a girl who was making all sorts of vr chat worlds all sorts yeah. of vr chat worlds and it became sort of this escape for her to like be creating worlds because um she lived with a really really in a really strict household in Qatar 
Yeah. Um, and and, a, and like apparently like women aren't even allowed to drive there or like you you can't you like it's one of those places where it's like really bad like that and it's like and so she was like um and so she was um having this these experiences in VR chat like with people from all over the world and like and it was like um and it was weird like just it was weird like this like mm-hmm. yeah it was it was weird because she said like you know he told me that she stopped she stopped because she wanted to like date people like. Yeah. Her parents probably would have killed her if they if they had known that like she was dating in VR, quote unquote. Um but like um but yeah, she was she he said he was dating and she was dating in VR and like she met a few she met like one or two guys that were like lame or like were mean to her and she's like I'm out. Um mm-hmm. but it was like um it was really interesting. It was cuz it was this clash of cultures. It was yeah. this, this this clash of like world almost you know yeah i think that's going to be more and more common and i think it's good in some ways like i think the internet has had a positive impact on the world because it's like sharing that information and sharing the context of like other people that you might not have appreciated before in like a very real rich way right like you can go onto youtube and look up all these great documentaries and like listen to people talk on reddit in a very heartfelt way about like an experience they had and it just like opens you up to these new kind of like secondhand experiences that just give you like a better idea of like how people behave in different countries or different cultures or like yeah different experiences that you never would have been able to have but it's still like a level removed in terms of you know text or audio or video and it's way more emotional and it's way more like visceral and impactful and I I think it sticks in your memory a little more in VR too because it's like all the elements of real life right like you're in a in a real physical location as far as your brain knows and it's like mapping all of this like i can remember very vividly a bunch of like things i've learned or people i've met in vr and i think if you meet someone you know from somewhere else or you make a new friend and spend a lot of time with them it's going to mean more in vr and it's going to have a bigger impact on people over time like with these online communities especially uh i think it can totally change the world for the better if we execute on it correctly and that's what i'm passionate about is making sure we don't screw it up yeah well with that being said i'm gonna have one last question for you um Mm -hmm. and uh and it goes back to uh, a a revolving theme that i have on this show where i go back to revisiting why i sort of like started the podcast in the first place and it was out of a lot of things but one one of these one of the things was this question that i had um, where or a statement that I put that I place on myself where I was like you know 20 years from now like what are people gonna think like what mm-hmm. and what are they gonna think about the people that were like at the epicenter right in the middle of it like what you know they were gonna wonder like what were they thinking those people at the epicenter of virtual reality <laughs> so 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 this is gonna happen I'm gonna send you an email in the year 2038 <laughs> 20 years from now yeah, and it's gonna be like, uh, and it's gonna be a message from yourself, so oh, that you shit. can re- so you can resolve that like that question for yourself. You're gonna yeah. wonder like, Sean, what was I thinking? Here's your chance. Tell Sean of the year 2038 what you're thinking, Sean. Okay. So this is like a message to me in 20 years. Yep. yep. All right. Well, well, Sean, I, I hope, I hope the future's all right, and we're not being terrorized by rabbit AI and uh, 
smog, and I hope it's not Blade Runner and post-apocalyptic yet, because that would suck, because you're not going to get this message. But if you are there, and you're checking this on your Gmail or whatever sweet new awesome email service you've got, uh... I don't know, man. This is hard. Like, 20 years in the future, it's already happened. Like, what? I don't know what advice to give myself. Uh, or a message. Yeah. I don't know. It's like... Uh, give me yours first. I need, like, I need like a, an imprint for this in my mind. Like, what would you send to yourself? I'm just keep, I just keep telling myself, don't fuck it up. Whatever you're doing 20 years from now, don't fuck it up. Yeah. It's pretty simple for me. Um, but That's I, like, but, but yeah. also I realize that I'm like, I'm cheating because I'm doing the podcast. I can send any message anymore at any point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the message I would send myself too. It's like, yeah. don't mess it up. But that's like the message I'm sending myself now. It's like mm. in 20 years from now, I've either fucked it up or we've like executed well and it's like going well. So I, I'll just be positive and I'll say like, hey, Sean, you did a great job. Like, <laughs> good job. You nailed it. You fucking nailed it, man. And you should take some time and celebrate, you know? Go on some vacations. Have a good time. Because you you blew it out of the water. Fucking nailed it. And let's just hope that's... Let's, let's hope that pans out. Awesome. And um, with that being said, how can people stay in touch and follow up with all the things you're doing these days? Uh, I tweet occasionally. I, I do a lot of, like, rec room stuff. I like to share what the community makes and what's going on in rec rooms. So if you're interested in that, I'm... At Sean C. Whiting on Twitter, S-H-A-W-N, C is in cat, Whiting, W-H-I-T-I-N-G. Uh, I'm there, and I mean, we're, we're all really active on our subreddit, so if you want to go to, like, r slash rec room, uh, we're active on Instagram, which is just at rec room. Um, our official uh, Twitter is at rec room. Most of it's at rec room. Uh, we got lucky and managed to get a lot of those um social profiles but um yeah it's just my personal twitter and then um the rec room stuff like you'll find me on there like our discord server the subreddit i try to reply whenever i get time so it's a good place to find me very cool i will be sure to include all those links in the show notes uh sean whiting sir i have conclusively concluded that you are a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality as always um and i thank you for your time yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. This was a great chat. I really enjoyed it. Thanks thanks to you for, you know, putting this together. I'm sure Sean from 20 Years in the Future is going to really enjoy listening to this. Oh, my God. Yes, I can't wait. I can't wait. And send me send me a reply back when I, when I send you the email. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I definitely will. All right, man. See you later. See ya.